Welcome to Messages from the Middle. I'm Wendy Parrish. This is episode number 23, Cha-Cha-Cha-Changes. How to manage the changes that life throws at you. An interview with Katie Frampton. Have you noticed that people don't usually share their struggles until they're over? It's not until they've defeated their dragon and marched victoriously home that they share their story. Well, I'm not one of those people. My name is Wendy Parrish, and I am in the middle of my story. From the middle, I've learned a few things, and I would like to bring you into my story. This is the good, the struggle, the light, the dark, and the lessons learned. This is Messages from the Middle. Hello and welcome. I am so excited for you to meet my friend, Katie Frampton. Katie is incredible, and she has been through some really tough challenges in her life, and I am just always so amazed at the ways that she rises up and overcomes, and she shares her story so beautifully, and she shares it really beautifully on her Instagram, which is at Katie's Fit Files on Instagram. That's at C-A-Y-T-I-E Fit Files. So you'll have to check her out and I'll link it in the show notes. So let's get into the interview. Here's my interview with Katie Frampton. Hello, and I am here with Katie Frampton. Um, Just a little background. I met Katie through a health coaching program that we both did. And I also just stalked her social media. She owned social media. You were so amazing. Beautiful social media and beautiful hand lettering. Just gorgeous. Like I'm like, how can I do these (laughs) things? And then I noticed, I guess a couple months ago, she did kind of just drop off and disappear. And then in June, Katie posted a just vulnerable, beautiful post. I think there's a big difference. Some people think they're being vulnerable when they're whining. And then there's vulnerable when it's like, here's what's happening. Here's what I've been going through. This is what I've been doing. And it was so uplifting with also while sharing your story. So I just immediately knew I had to have you on this podcast. I wanted to hear you talk. I just, yeah. Anyway, so welcome, Katie. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's so good to see you. It's been forever. You're so sweet. I know. It really has been forever. So I guess just because, you know, I shared a little bit about what you said on social media, but just, you know, for those of you that didn't stalk your social media the way I do, (laughs) can you share kind of what has been going on in your life? Really, you said over the last three years. Yeah. um, Just Yeah. Just kind of what's been going on for you. Well, and to speak to your point about the vulnerability, there is a fine line between, and and that's, that's something that I've always kind of struggled with, like, I don't want to post something just to get compliments or just to get attention. You know what I mean? Like when I, when I post, when I, when I'm being vulnerable, I really am trying to help people. And, and there are, you know, the, the response is always so great. People are always so kind, but there is that line that you're like, am I, am I sounding whiny or (laughs) am I being helpful? So it is hard. You were, it was really just lovely. You did it. You, you hit it perfectly. And I know it's, it's very hard. Yeah. I know, you know. (laughs) And you do it so well. You do it so well. So yeah, and um, I, so I am, I will just say I am um, 49 years old. So I'm in that stage of life where things are starting to change and happen. Mm-hmm. And it's um, something that isn't talked about, which um, 
I, I get why. And at the same time, I'm determined to change that. So I will be talking a lot about what yes. happens to a woman as she gets older. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Just because I wish I would have had somebody tell me what was going on. But, um, and, you know, I come from a, a household of there's eight girls, eight daughters, and then my mom, and nobody ever talks about it. So, well, so about, I don't know, three or four years ago, I started experiencing some things, which I assumed was menopause. So, um, having not learned my lesson yet, I decided to try and fix it by myself before I asked for help. Yeah. <laughs> which I should have known that wasn't going to work. But, you know, I would try different supplements and I would try different, you know, remedies and stuff like that to, to, to address my menopause symptoms. And the reason why is because when I had gone to my doctor um, before this and told him, you know, something's off, I don't feel quite right. You know, I'm gaining weight. I don't, you know, he, he you know, could you test my thyroid? Um, first of all, they wouldn't do the right test. And second of all, he just kept saying, nothing's wrong with you. You're fine. I can put you on birth control. Well, I have some um, major clotting issues. Mm-hmm. And so birth control is not the best thing for me to be on. <laughs> and so I declined that offer. And so then I just went to, okay, the medical professionals aren't helping me. So I'm just going to help myself. That was not working. I spent tons of money and time trying to fix these problems that, um, that I couldn't fix. And yeah. um, I had a client at one point who was telling me about her specialist who was helping her with her hormones and stuff like that. The problem is they were bioidentical, which I had tried before and they were awesome. And in fact, that's how I got pregnant with my last child, which we may or may not talk about later. But um, I decided maybe it's time to do this again. The, the only thing is that bioidentical isn't covered by insurance. Yeah. So it's an investment. And and I, I just had gotten to that point where I was desperate. I just needed help to, to figure out all these symptoms. And I was still under the impression that I was only dealing with menopause. So I go to the specialist and they run the whole gamut of testing um, and it comes back and I have no progesterone, no estrogen. My testosterone is negative. Not only that, but my thyroid is the lowest that they've seen in a long time. That's always fun so, when they're like, wow, we've never oh, seen this. And you're like, you see a lot of people. <laughs> yes. And she's like, you're, you're basically 90 years old. Oh, and I'm like, no. oh, awesome. <laughs> Thanks. So they immediately put me on all the hormones and it, it fixes my symptoms just like that. Like my menopause symptoms, you know, mm-hmm. they're gone because the hormones have totally fixed that. The thyroid was a different issue. They, um, they titrate your meds so that your, your body doesn't freak out. Um, and they had put me on a desiccated thyroid, which worked great. Like I felt better than I had felt in years, but, but then I quickly crashed on it. And after that had happened several times, and going up in dose and then crashing and going up. And she was finally like, I, I think we better test you for Hashimoto's. And so sure enough, I had Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. And so they took me off the desiccated thyroid, which is, which is um, pig thyroid, like natural thyroid hormone from pigs. So it's not a synthetic hormone. Yeah. So I'm, you know, they were trying to do all natural hormones. Um, they said sometimes Hashimoto's patients do better on the synthetic thyroid. So that's what we did, but we kind of had to start over. So this was just a long and painful process. And the crashing for me was um, weight gain, horrible acne, um, fatigue, and then this severe depression that I had never experienced in my life before. Yeah. And um, so we dealt with that. And, and so now it's, 
what, two and a half years later, after I started, have started all this treatment and, um, I'm kind of at a sweet spot right now with my meds and the menopause symptoms are still gone. And, um, I'm, I'm just starting that process where I'm losing the weight that I, all that weight that I gained and starting to feel more like myself. And, um, it's, it's just, it seems like it's taken forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But but in reality, I mean, two and a half years is, is not that long, but it, it has in the moment, it, it seems like forever. And you, you are just helpless. and like, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to be the same again. I'm never going to be normal. Oh, you know, yeah. normal in quote. No, but, but I, well, a normal is, you know, even just our own normal, like we know how we feel right. when we feel good. And so right. it might not be another person's version of normal, but it's our normal. And when it's just like, right. this isn't right, something's wrong. Right. And to your point right. about two and a half years being not that long, I disagree because I even feel like for <laughs> me, I feel like I give everything like three months. Like I look at things in three month increments, but yes. definitely a year. Like I want to be able to look back yes. a year ago and be like, okay, maybe I'm not where I want to be, but I'm better. If you go right. through like, see the progress. if you go through like two and a half years or whatever of like still figuring it out and it's like, okay, one step forward, right. but then, you know, the thyroid's still not figured oh, out. That's how it felt the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just start to go, nothing's going to work. And I I spoke to this a little bit in my episode on medication. If you're on the wrong medications, you start to feel like it's you. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. I, you know. Absolutely. And so when you're like, okay, you know, you hear about people that it's like, I just got on the right hormones and I was instantly better. And you're like, okay. Yeah. No, it's, you know, and then it just (laughs) doesn't happen. And you find so many more things that happen. And, and even like, Yes. Well, like, you know, there's depression, there's emotion, there's, but like, I know this is just so true with women when it's like uncontrolled weight gain, that's when you're like enough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that, it just messes with you. It It just messes with you. And, and that's a whole separate, you know, the body image and all that stuff. That's a whole separate thing that I'm still working on, but it, 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 it affects every part of your life. Yeah. It really does. Cause you think, there's the body image issues that I think so many women, especially of our generation, deal with. I think yes. I really do hope and feel like they're doing a lot better with like self-love yes. and acceptance of bodies and all everyone's bodies are different. Yes. I think we're doing a lot better, but I think our generation got like bombasted. Like this is how you oh, look. Oh, we got blasted. And so, sure. you know, body image and then just knowing that it affects your health and knowing there's just – yeah there's a lot. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. And when all of a sudden like weight gain is just happening and there doesn't seem to be anything you can do about it, it deals, it goes to the body image, but also like now something is wrong. (laughs) Well, I'm being a health coach, right? It was Mm -hmm. like, how am I supposed to help people if I can't even help myself? Mm -hmm. And so all of that played into it and my business tanked and, you know, my self-esteem and just, I was like, what's my purpose now? If I can't help people with their health, like what, what is my purpose? So there's just so many things wrapped up in all of this. And then there was like, I'm writing a post today about grief, uh-huh. you know, all the things that I was having to grieve, not just everything that happened in 2020, but like my old self and my health and my life and my business and like all this stuff that was all just all of a sudden gone. Yeah. It was just all gone. And I have no control over it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, another Wild. really important point you make. Grief is not, you know, yes, it is the loss of a person, but we grieve so many other things. And so many other <laughs> things. you brought up everything that happened in 2020. I'm like, yes, that's where yeah. it all, a lot of it started that's with true. me 
But yeah. even like you grieve loss of expectation. Like at yeah. this point in my life, things were supposed to look like this. Right. And like, this is how things were going. Yeah. And like I was, I was on this trajectory and, and we were going to be, yeah. we were headed here. And so there's even just a yeah. loss, a grief related to expectation pain for yeah. sure. And it was really powerful to just figure that out. Like my dad passed away in 2019. So that was, you know, that was expected grief. That's, that's when you grieve. Mm-hmm. And then 2020 happened. You're like, yeah, people are, are grieving. And then all of this other stuff happened. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is still grief. Yeah. And I'm still like grieving these things. And I'm, it's just grief on top of grief on top of grief. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. And we don't, it's heavy. And we don't identify it. And so we don't actually stop and like go through, right. you don't just live in grief, it. like yeah. mourn and loss. Yeah. And you do like this, a lot of the shoulds, like I should be better. Yes. This shouldn't be a problem anymore. Yes. I should, you know, yeah. and like you were saying, as a health coach, I shouldn't be gaining weight. Yeah. I know how to lose this. Right. But when your body is like, actually, no. <laughs> actually, we're doing this now. <laughs> actually, I'm kind of not not in the best place right now. I have to yeah. go back for a minute. I So I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it, especially because my husband is a medical doctor. I have much admiration for medical doctors, but when it comes to hormones, they really do like step back. Like they really are like birth control. And I'm like, that is really yeah. your only solution. Like, yeah. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Like, well, we'll just put you on the pill. Too much weight grain, the pill. Acne, the pill. Yeah. You know, infertility, yeah. the yeah. pill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I exactly. Will never forget when they put me on the pill for infertility. And I was like, no, I'm trying to do the opposite. Do you do you see right. that? Mm-hmm. Like I'm actually yeah. like, no, it'll just reset your cycle. It's and, gonna help. Yeah. And I yeah. interestingly, back to the things we have in common, I have a clotting disorder. And so, but didn't know, you know, like the first time they put me on the pill, didn't really know. We didn't find out until my third pregnancy that that was an issue for me. Uh, But yeah, so I think there is definitely a place for, you know, natural paths. Oh, I'm so great. Like my, my doctors, my Western medicine doctors, they're great. Mm -hmm. They delivered my, everything went well with my deliveries. Like up to that point, things were great. But as far as like explaining to me why I couldn't get pregnant and doing all the testing that was necessary and then explaining to me about my hormones, there was no help. Yeah. And they even like, if they do check hormone levels, it's the very basic, like, yeah, where levels are completely different. Yeah. And usually they don't even run the right test. And thyroid, they just usually tend to check like one thyroid level and not TSH. Yeah. They just have TSH. They're not looking for like, it's T3 and T4. I might right. be making up numbers, but it's been a while no, since I've had exactly it. my thought. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and I, again, so I think that's why I like that there is a lot of different options available to us and just knowing that yeah. you do have those options. But again, yeah. like you said, not usually covered by insurance. So it, it, it is an investment for sure. And it, it did place a burden on, on us financially. And I had, then I had tremendous guilt, then about, you have that. guilt about that. So on yep. top of everything else, mm-hmm. I was costing us so much money just so I could get better. And then when I didn't feel like it was really working, it's like, how long do I give this before I give up and try something else? Like, but there was nothing else that was helping. So yeah. And, and my husband was so awesome. He's like, no, this is a priority. We need you. We need, we need you to be well. And, and we're, we're just going to make it work. So yeah, we, we, it was like, we had to do without some things for a while so that I could get better. Yeah. And it, it was, it was, it caused a lot of guilt. No, that's <laughs> awesome. And I think you're also right there that we tend to like put a lot of guilt on 
like, uh, it's true. Women, we are needed. Yep. <laughs> we matter to our yep. families. Yeah. It's very important. Oh, when I, when I would crash on these cycles, um, I mean, I, it was, I was useless basically. And my daughter went to my husband and said, is mom dying? Like she was legit concerned that something was wrong with me and that I was dying. We hadn't said anything to the kids because it was a thyroid issue. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't think of sitting down with your kids and telling them mom, mom just has a thyroid issue. And, and, and this is what's happening. But at that point I was like, Oh, this isn't just about me anymore. Like this is affecting everybody in the house. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm talking to my husband about it, but my kids need to be involved. And so we did, we had to have a sit down with them. Like it was just weird, but we had to have a sit down with them and tell them what was going on with me and, and how it was going to maybe look for a little while and that I couldn't do certain things. And, you know, if I'm sitting on the couch, I'm okay, but I'm just resting. And yeah, it was, it was really weird and hard and in our life, everybody's life was just all of a sudden different Yeah, because you know, mom was different. Well, and I think this is interesting. So when you're talking about like the money and the finances and the guilt and, you know, even bringing that kind of grieving guilt, all of it, that also hinders physical recovery, which is an interesting tie in to infertility, which we both dealt with. And and everybody, when they tell you, don't stress out, you need to lower your stress, but you're stressing out. How do you not not, like never in the history of relax has the word relaxed ever helped. And there is also a level of guilt related to that because pretty much most infertility is not covered. You feel like it's your fault. Oh, and for sure it's your fault. In fact, I was reading a study the other day that I found very interesting. I was reading actually about the link between PTSD and infertility. And, Mm. um, it said even if it's male factor infertility, the woman still carries the brunt of, and it's not even oh, like society has carried it on her. She still just carries the brunt of the guilt and the shame related to that. Like, but I still can't, you know, but I still can't have a baby. Like, even if it's the right. man, the man's not walking around going, what's wrong with me? <laughs> where, right. where women right. are. No. So, right. well, and they couldn't even tell me what was wrong with me. So we did all the testing on my husband and found that he was, he was fine. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, well, it must be me, but they can't tell me what's wrong with me. Was like this with your first they didn't have any or was, Did you have infertility with all your kids or did you have secondhand infertility? So my first, it took us about a year to get pregnant and we were concerned mm-hmm. just because, you know, we had seen everybody else in our families just look at each other and get pregnant. <sighs> yes. And then. For us, it took us a year, but then we, we got our first one. So we're like, oh yeah, this is fine. But by the time we decided to have our second um, and it wasn't happening right away, we're like, we probably should do something about this because it didn't happen quickly the first time. So maybe let's go get checked out and see what's going on. Anyway, we ended up going through six years of artificial insemination testing, like just one thing after another, thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And um, again, they couldn't tell us what was wrong. Never once did anybody check my sex hormones. Not once. Really? Did anybody check my progesterone, my estrogen, or my testosterone? Not once. You're kidding me. And so, no, not once. <sighs> and so after we had done 11 artificial inseminations, we're like, okay, that's, it's, enough is enough. Like, how, how many of these do we do? So we decided, you know, we're just going to bite the bullet and go get a loan and do the, do the in vitro. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we go to this doctor in Draper that's supposedly a miracle worker and he can 
you know, get anybody pregnant. And so we go down there and he does all these tests on us. And then he calls us into his office and he said, um, basically you, it's not gonna happen for you guys. There's no, there's like a less than 5% chance that you guys will get pregnant. Oh, wow. So I'm not going to do this. And we're like, you wouldn't even just take our money if we wanted you to try it. And he's like, nope. I respect and that. And so then but... we're like, well, yes and no, because I'm I was like, gonna say, but, we, but we had a baby. We got pregnant. We try? had one. Like, yeah. <laughs> we just want to try. And he wouldn't take our money. So then we go back to the doctor we were with, with the artificial inseminations. And we told him what this doctor said. And he said, oh, no, there's still things we can try. And I was like, okay, well, let's try them. And so then he started me on a round of progestin shots mm-hmm. just to see if my follicles would respond. Well, they did. And I got pregnant. Oh, naturally, after doing progestin shots. And so he was the doctor was psyched. But um, after that, I was like, I'm done. I can't do this again. I'm not going to try for any more kids. We're just going to have two. And that's going to be it. I can't, I can't go through this again. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, not only that, I'm surprised my husband and I are still together because we didn't communicate during that whole time. We had no emotional intelligence. We didn't know how to process this alone, let alone together. Like, yeah, it just was, and it becomes very mechanical, right? Oh, the whole yes. Trying to get pregnant thing. And it's so unromantic. Yeah. When so, you have a prescription pad, we have, we had it. it they, he gave it to us. a prescription pad that like writes how many times to try. There's no, right. the romance is gone. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> It's, it's gone. gone. It's, <laughs> like, why do I have horrible. a prescription pad with this written on it? No, thank like, you. It's something I would not wish on my worst enemy. Mm, yeah. But um, anyway, so so after we had our second um, and the pregnancy went, my pregnancies are always great and deliveries mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, we just were like, we're done. We're not going to do this again. But we didn't prevent it. So then it, it, so then I get to be about 40 and we have this discussion. Like, we probably should prevent it at this point. I'm old. And, and we're great with the two and we don't need any, we didn't feel like anybody was missing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we went through the process. We decided that Dave was going to get a vasectomy because that was less invasive than a hysterectomy. So we go through the process of getting him, uh, the consult with the urologist and all that kind of stuff. And, um, we have the appointment and we get the date set. And then I'm at work one day. I, I worked for my husband at the time and just feeling really sick. And he's like, you're pregnant. I was like, oh, no, I don't get pregnant. So a month before I had gone, I had decided to go, um, go do the bioidentical hormones because my neighbor was doing them. I had kind of felt some weird things like, um, looking back on it, knowing now it was, it was PCOS mm-hmm. and some of the symptoms I was feeling, but nobody had diagnosed me with that. And so I didn't know what was going on. So I was just like, Maybe my hormones are off. I'm just going to go check out this bioidentical stuff that my neighbor's doing because she swears by it. Yeah. So I go get tested and my progesterone is super low. And so they put me on progesterone. A month later, I'm pregnant <laughs> at 40 <laughs> with this surprise baby. And, oh. and I'm like, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm not pregnant. He's like, you're pregnant. So we go home. We do a pregnancy test. I cannot have laughed my throw without him because I'm so mad. So many emotions. First of all, mad that this was happening and I wasn't expecting it. Then guilt because I was mad mm-hmm. because we had gone through infertility and I should I should be grateful for this baby because you know I haven't been able to have him. But so I was feeling guilt about that. And then I was like, 
we've given away everything. All of our baby stuff's gone. We have nothing. Like I, I just got my body back and I have my youngest is going into first grade next year. I just have my freedom. Like so many emotions going through my head. Anyway, we get this surprise caboose baby and there's my dad fucking. Um, and she's the greatest thing that ever happened. Like she's just so great. So I had our surprise caboose at 41 and it was great and she's great. And, um, but it was again, progesterone. Yeah. So the second time that is so, and so now I just wear it from the rooftops when somebody's struggling with fertility. I'm like, go get your hormones checked. Yeah. I'm really surprised that no one did that for you at the beginning. That's like, no one, I would say first thing they did for me. And I was kind of lucky. We were at, um, a a, a medical center hospital. My husband was in medical school the first time we went through it. So I went to my OBGYN mentioned it to him. He was like, look, I'll do three rounds of Clomid and then we're shipping you back. Go to, you're going to go to infertility specialists. So that's what we did. And first thing they did is run all the blood tests. And the first thing they found is that my progesterone wasn't doing, like it was high enough, but then right after like ovulation, it dipped. So even if I got pregnant, it wouldn't sustain a pregnancy. And then we managed that. Right. Like they, that's the first, in fact, they also checked that one of my bigger problems was also prolactin. It was too high. So, Mm. which is the hormone that you secrete while you're breastfeeding so that you don't get pregnant while you're breastfeeding. But don't, anyone who's trying to not get pregnant and they're breastfeeding, that is not actually birth control. Just so you know, (laughs) (laughs) don't trust it. I have a cousin who is a result of that. (laughs) So, but yeah, that's the first thing they did. So I can't believe you went through six years before anybody. No, my regular doctor didn't test me. And then the two fertility specialists didn't test me. Nobody tested my hormones. And I didn't know that that was, you know, that that's what you should be doing. That should be tested. Yeah. Yeah, I I had no idea. I I knew nothing about hormones. I applaud that they tested the man because that's been my, that was like the other thing I used to like try to shout from any rooftop that anybody would listen to. They didn't test his hormones though. They tested his sperm. But no, but that's it. If they don't do that first thing, then find another doctor because that's the, like, well, not the, but that's the easier test. Let's be clear. Oh, we, I mean, I could have saved, we could have saved thousands of dollars mm -hmm. in treatment. If someone had tested my hormones. Yeah. Right off the bat. I know. And years. And that's the other, like you say, so you have six years between your oldest and your middle child. Eight years. Eight Eight years between the first two, because by the time, like we waited for a year before we decided to try and get pregnant again. And then, you know, a year for the pregnancy. So six years of fertility treatment, but eight years between the two and then six year, six years between the next two. Okay. Yeah. We have like three. Three only children. I was going to say, <laughs> or do they all kind of feel very like individual, yeah. like kind of yeah, got some it's weird. some special treatment during yeah. that it's time? Great. We have built-in babysitters by the time the next one comes around. That's <laughs> true. Actually. It's worked out exactly how it was supposed to. Like, I really have to say that. Mm-hmm. Like, the Lord is in the details, but it's worked out exactly how it's supposed to. But in the moment when you're like, this is a righteous desire, I'm trying to do what God has literally told me to do. Multiply mm-hmm. and replenish here. And it's not happening. Like, what is going on? And what you know, you don't you don't you're not thinking in the moment, what am I supposed to learn from this? Because no. you're just <laughs> thinking of everything else. No. No. So and the advice, yeah. like, you know, oh, you'll look back on this or you're learning some oh no. Wait, don't ever well, give anyone that advice. And then people who were and, and it is people don't know what to say, but you know, when we were trying for a second. 
well, you should just be grateful for the one you have. Oh, yes. I'm like, well, I am. I am grateful for him. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was like the weirdest comment, but we got it a lot. We, you yeah. Just be grateful for the one you have. Yeah. Like, we, we got that a lot too. Um, yeah. Especially because the, the hardest round we had was between two and three. That was the longest period of time. That's when we did IVF and all the, all the things. And I just got all the time. Well, but you have two boys. And, I, and, and it yeah. was different for me because you said you, you didn't feel like anyone was missing. I, right. I wish I didn't feel that. Like we'd be right. sitting at the table and I'd be like, where's the other? Like every time yeah. we were all four together, I felt incomplete. Yeah. And that's how it was with our second. We knew there was another one. Yeah. And so it was it. just like, yeah. I, hey, if I could feel complete and ready to stop, I would. Yeah. But it doesn't, yeah. I, I can't, I can't shake it. And I even yeah. remember after she was born, like being like, okay, are we good? And it was yeah. like almost immediate, like, nope. There'll be another one. And oh. I was like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, I think I think I was just closed to it. I think I think I could have felt that if I wanted to, but I was just closed to it because I was so traumatized yeah. by the whole thing. I was like, I'm not doing this again. If he wants me to have another one, he's just gonna have to send it. And he did. And he did. <laughs> and he did. But I was 40. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's great. I don't so, know. There's yeah. I'm a little bit between like thinking I probably would have been a better mom at 40 than I was like in my like late 20s, early 30s. But also, I don't know, maybe I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's a combination of both. Like you're like, okay, I've been through the other two and, you know, I kind of know what I'm doing. And at the same time, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I can. So I remember sitting. So we went ahead with the vasectomy and I remember sitting in the room while they were, you know, doing the procedure and the doctor's looking at me and I'm, you know, nine months pregnant. And he's like, you know, usually we wait until after the baby's born. I'm like, nope, you're good. Go ahead. You're just keep going. <laughs> and that, I think that's kind of the other thing that is, is hard for other people to get is, and, and even, you know, doctors, everyone, it's like fertility, our fertility is kind of our own, like how many babies I have, yeah. how many, yeah. I have a dear, dear friend who has, ha, who has three just beautiful boys and she went through so much, you know, another few rounds of IVF and things like that to have a fourth child because she felt so strongly that that child was meant to be in her family. And she lives right. back East where people have one, maybe two and is right. felt so judged oh, for sure it. And gets, so yeah. oh, I'm sure. where, you know, if you live it's such a personal thing so between personal. you and your husband, you and God. Yeah. Yeah. So it's personal. so personal. And so even like when you decide like, actually, no, we need to put, we need to stop this. Like that We're also good. is up yeah. to you. And, you yeah. know, lots of mommies and aunties want to be like, you know, but which they're all well-meaning. And usually I try to take it that way. But there were a few times yeah. when I would yeah. just be like, I'd recommend you stop Listen. talking. <laughs> and, and I think interestingly somewhere, I don't know if it was, it's, it's the comments there's a few different things that lead to what is PTSD after infertility. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, not necessarily the comments play into it, but they tend to be the words that ricochet in your head, even after the mm -hmm. fact. And the other one that is a fascinating scientific little thing that I learned is the two weeks after ovulation, if any trauma occurs in the two weeks after ovulation, it's it's worse. It tends to create wow. more. Yeah. It tends to be like more ingrained in the memory. So the hardest part of infertility 
is the two weeks after ovulation because that's usually when you do like the IUI or the IVF. You have to wait two weeks to get that positive pregnancy test. Two weeks of pins and needles, two weeks of Mm -hmm. did my period just start, two weeks. Trying not to get your hopes up, but Mm -hmm. getting them up anyway. Yeah. And it doesn't, it literally, it doesn't end, does it? Like those two weeks. No. You try so hard to distract yourself. And like I was a fitness trainer and I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I probably can't be teaching. I probably should be lying down. Maybe I should be extra. Like you you feel like you can't do anything right. You question everything. Yeah. yeah. And so that's where that high. And then when you get that negative test, it's like, it's like experiencing that loss oh, over and over and over again exactly. every time. Exactly. And I think, you know, probably any woman that has wanted to be pregnant, whether it's through infertility or not, and gotten a negative test knows that feeling because you start making plans. Like you Mm -hmm. don't mean to, you can't help it. Yeah. You just start making plans. plans. We have three or four kids, two years in between. You know, I came from a huge family. Dave comes from a big family, Mm -hmm. all two years apart. We're like, we're just going to get our kids out and done. And then we can, you know, live our lives and Like I have friends that had like their four kids all before they turned 30. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And now they're just like, you know. And they're empty nesters and enjoying like, yeah. And And I have a third grader (laughs) at 49. Oh, I love that you have a third grader. That's so sweet. Oh my God. See? so great though. And I think about, I was going to say, I think about like the joy and happiness that a third grader would I can't imagine life without her really. Yeah. Well, and especially after an IUI. So you never did IVF. You were going to do IVF, but the we doctor were said in that no. Close. Okay. Well, we were that close because we were doing the progestin testing. And before we could even go to the bank to get our loan, because he was willing to do it. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, your follicles look great. Let's do it. Before we could even get that far is when I got pregnant. Oh. Like it was that quick. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. So that's nice. Saved yeah. you, saved you yeah. some money. Yeah, I ca- I remember calling him that day and I was like, um, we're pregnant. He's like, what? I am good. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazing. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, he was I excited for us. And then I I called my doctor. Um, I remember for the third one because I was on the bioidentical hormones and and I called my doctor and I said, um, we're pregnant and I'm on progesterone right now. And he's like, he totally poo pooed it, but he's like, you better stay on it because mm-hmm. you could miscarry on it. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. You have to stay on anyway. it at least until the end of the first trimester. First trimester. I think that's what he said. Yeah. 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 That's. But he poo-pooed them. He, he was not happy that I was on them, but I was like, I'm having a baby. Do so. you want to argue with results? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we want to have a, a chat about results? Yeah. But you it know, was, it was weird. done was weird. IUI or the IVF or any of those things, you immediately are like, like, you know, the due date of when that baby would be born, you yes. know, yes. like, it'll be like, okay, this baby will be born in the spring. So we'll be able to do this. And this will be their birthday party. Like it yeah. just happens. And so it yeah. really causes a lot. There's grief and mourning month after so month after yeah. month. And, and at the time you're, you know, the, back then I had no, like I said, I had no emotional intelligence. So I didn't know I was supposed to be processing these emotions, right? Oh, yeah. Like we do now. And so there was no processing. There was just pushing through, muscling through to the next month and, you know, wiping away your tears and, mm-hmm. and going on with life. And there was no processing no. at all. And I, I like that you brought that up too, because I think, I think that is an interesting thing. And I'd be curious to know what you think, but it does kind of feel like emotional intelligence does tend to come when we're older. 
And is that because yeah. we've now lived through life and have to figure it out? Or is, do you think maybe it's because our generation is just starting to wake up to it? Like, oh. I think it's a combination. Mm -hmm. I think we're finally being taught about it, but we have the advantage now of teaching our children. Yeah. And so I think they're going to grow up with it a little bit earlier than we did. Yeah. And be better off for it. But yeah, I think we're kind of, um, we're taking one for the team at this point. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Because, I mean, I remember even thinking I was doing the right thing, being like, oh, don't cry. Don't cry. Like doing it cheery. Right. right. But like, oh, you don't right. need to cry. No, don't oh, cry. Oh, we all apologize when we cry. This mm -hmm. is so weird. Like, why are we apologizing for crying? Yeah. For being emotional. I know. I know. We all do it. Our generation all does it. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I wasn't going to cry. Why? Why are you sorry? Crying is what you need. And yeah, even like telling yeah. my kids don't cry. And yeah. I don't know how many years ago it was that I finally realized like my kids would start crying. I'm like, all right, just cry. Just, yeah. just cry. Don't oh yeah. Cry when now. my daughter's terrified of something, I'm like, yeah, totally be scared, but you have to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. And that's the other thing. Instead yes. of don't be scared, don't be nervous. Like, no, you can feel those, but you're going to have to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that we did a lot of like, don't cry, don't be scared, don't. Mm -hmm. And I do definitely feel like our, who, you know, whoever raised us, teachers, parents, yeah. everyone who you know, was part of that process was very well-meaning. And Oh, they did the best they could for sure. Did the best they yeah. could. And I even look at like the generation before them, because we're about the same age, they would be the World War II generation. And I think mm -hmm. that like, you know, keep calm and carry on, like stiff upper lip, yeah. all that was essential. Yes. They, they, yeah. you would not oh, be able to move through that. The rug. You don't talk about your emotions. You just sweep mm -hmm. it under the rug and up for a space. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot about sure. my grandpa. I didn't find out until long after he died. Like he always told us cause he fought in the war, but he always said he was just a mechanic. I was just a mechanic. And yeah. then I found out years later, he wasn't a mechanic. He was a navigator and he was on those planes and he was going on bombing oh, missions. Wow. And I'm like, Wow, he wow. really didn't want to talk about it. Like it was, oh my gosh, it was not, it was not discussed. And now we yeah. do, we, sh you know, we're sharing more, yeah. we're processing emotions better, yeah, learning more emotional yeah. intelligence, which I think is just lovely. So yeah, but well, my mom lost her third, her third baby mm -hmm. just a few hours after she was born, and we we knew that she was part of our family, but we never, no one ever talked about it. I never talked to my mom about how she felt about that experience until mm -hmm. just a few years ago because it just she just didn't share it with anybody yeah it wasn't a thing yeah yeah it's crazy like that was a huge that's a huge part of your life I want to hear about it it's a yeah. it's a big deal for sure I think that's yeah. so true so having dealt with all the hormonal issues then during and infertility because that's fun. Yeah. And like you brought up a great mm -hmm. point too, it's can be a very big strain on the marriage, all the fun mm -hmm. things. So after yeah. baby number three is born, things seem to be, you know, you've vasectomy. <laughs> We're not worrying about that part anymore. That's done. Yep. Did you feel like that those years of struggle, did you feel that showing up in your life at that point? Or do you feel like it kind of showed up later? Does that make sense? Like for me, I feel like I was like, we're done. It's over. And I skipped along. And then all of a sudden it felt like it was like all those emotions I feel like, came crashing yes, down at once. As far as emotionally, I feel like it's coming up now. A lot of pieces are coming together. Mm -hmm. um, when I was diagnosed with PTSD back in 2013 after um, a really traumatic event in my life. And mm -hmm. um, I don't, she, she didn't even diagnose me 
from my infertility, but I know that was part of it. And mm-hmm. um, after listening to your podcast on go back and listen to what needs podcast on. Um, I don't know which episode that was, but oh. was it on PTSD? I, yeah, I, I have one on anyway, PTSD. Yeah, I'm, I, I know. I wish I could. It was what so it was amazing. Too. And so many, so many bells went off. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it. So I was diagnosed with PTSD for something else, but I know infertility was part of it. And, but she didn't really process that with me. I didn't do any treatment or therapy for the PTSD. She just was like, you have PTSD from this thing. And then, you know, we, we went along and worked on something else. So I, I never, I haven't, I haven't worked on that looking back and, and knowing what I know now about emotions and how to process them and how to do thought work and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I can kind of do some of that, but I wonder if there's, again, I wonder if I'm trying to do too much on my own Yeah. (laughs) and I should just go get help for some of these things and just get it taken care of because like I said, so many bells and whistles went off when I was listening to that podcast. Like, yeah, that's, that's definitely part of that. And I've never addressed that. Mm-hmm. It's just something that happened in the past that I, you know, like you said, that I was done with. And now that all of these other things have come up and I've been processing them, there's still stuff there. I still feel this heaviness at times. And so I'm like, okay, I'm still processing these maybe, or maybe it's something else. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a really good question. I probably should ask for some help. <laughs> so no, well, so I'm curious, I guess, so she were diagnosed with PTSD. You said she moved on. Did she just treat you for depression or was it anxiety? It was, no, or? no. And we didn't even talk about depression, and which was another interesting thing because then when I was diagnosed, when we were dealing with all my menopause issues mm-hmm. two years ago, and she diagnosed me with, she diagnosed me with, that's who diagnosed me with PCOS. Oh, Nobody had ever diagnosed me with PCOS. And she's like, these are all PCOS problems. Oh, I was boy. like, no, I don't have that. She's like, yeah, you do. And you're like, and that was probably the <laughs> and problem. And it was because I wasn't, along. it was because I wasn't obese, but that explains the fertil- infertility mm-hmm. right there. Um, but she's like, no, you have PCOS. You also have hypothyroid. You have Hashimoto's. You have Epstein-Barr virus. Like, so she, she diagnosed me with all these things just like right at once. And I'm like, this is a lot. <laughs> this now, <is> a lot. <laughs> now I need to process all of this. But, um, but yeah, I, so the depression came up when she was diagnosing me with all of those. Okay. And she's like, do you have depression? I said, well, I don't think so. And she's like, you know, asking me more and more questions. And so as I was telling her, you know, cause for me, depression was, you can't get out of bed in the morning yep. and you shut the curtains and you hide away from the world. Well, for me, it was get out of bed get your kids off to school, take a shower, but then you're not motivated to do anything else. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want to do anything. And you hide, you hide away as best you can, but you're still functioning. Yeah. So once I explained that, all of that to her, she's like, no, that's depression. I was like, I just call those funks. She's like, no, that's depression. And she's like, how long has this been going on? I was like, a long time. (laughs) She's like, yeah, this is, this is depression. You have depression. I was like, I had no idea. So I had no idea that I was living with depression all this time. And it, it came, it started the reason why I was diagnosed with PTSD. I was in the therapist's office and that's when it all started. Mm -hmm. That feeling, those funks that would happen every once in a while. That's when it all started. Okay. So it was never, it was never addressed and never treated until now. Yeah. I'm just a big untreated mess. Wendy. <laughs> I want to speak to the fact like what you just talked about with depression 
Um, because I think it bears a little bit of unpacking or repeating yeah. or something, because I think that's yeah. something else I wish people would talk about. And exactly. I, don't. <laughs> I think it's very, very common. I will never forget. I was talking to someone. She probably, I'm like, I won't name her because she probably is like, you know, didn't ask for consent, but she'd gone through a really, really hard time. A lot of like both her and her husband had gone through a really, really hard time at the same time. And she was telling me how like they were coming home from, you know, school, work, whatever. And just kind of like all they wanted to do was watch TV. They didn't want to do anything. They were And she's like, I'm not saying we're depressed. It's just, and I'm like, first of all, the way that you caveated that with, I'm not (laughs) saying I'm depressed made it seem like it's bad to be depressed. And I'm like, and you are, (laughs) and it's okay. Considering what they'd been through, they should be like, you should go through and, and depression in many situations is circumstantial, a loss, uh, you know, a right. trauma, something happens right. and you go through a depression for a period of time. And that doesn't necessarily mean that your brain chemistry is prone to be depressed all the time. But so I think it's worth talking about the fact that, yeah, a funk, any number of those things is depression. And that doesn't mean go get yourself on medication. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, necessarily that it's this huge, horrible thing. But it means you need to acknowledge it. You know, this is depression and either do seek treatment or find, you know, there are, there are ways to handle it yourself, you know, that you, like you say, you just try to handle it yourself. And I think that's a good way to start. I don't think you're wrong for trying to handle it yourself, especially considering what you know and what you've learned about emotional intelligence, diet, exercise. You know a lot. Like you weren't just jumping in trying to, you know, take care of yourself with nothing. And I think that's worth noting, but I do also think that acknowledging that, yeah, it could be depression. It could be PTSD. That feeling that like the house might be on fire, but it's not, that is anxiety and you should acknowledge it. But yeah, so they were definitely depressed, but weren't acknowledging it. And I didn't, you know, didn't feel like it was my place to be like, oh no, no, this is depression. Right. But I, I think that we need to address it and also accept that, yeah, you might be depressed and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And that's good. So and many it's people not are. like me walking around with it. Have no idea. About. Yeah. 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 That you don't need to feel bad about it. It's part of, you know, it's what our body does. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of these mental health responses are actually messages like the brain stepping in to protect yeah. you yeah. or to keep you safe. And sometimes it's, you know, wrong. Like you were talking about isolation and staying right. alone. And right. I, that's, I think the brain definitely, that's my, you know, my drug of choice, yeah. my brain going, stay home, be alone. Then you'll never be hurt again. <laughs> you know, we sometimes need to tell the brain, thank you for your concern, right. but I know that advice. I need, like you talked about with your daughter. Yeah. yeah. I know you're nervous and scared. Yeah. Do it, anyway. do it anyway. And that's, yeah. it's much harder to tell my yeah. brain that. Well, there's such <laughs> a stigma around mental health issues that, and people tiptoe mm-hmm. around them, which, you know, I think there's a place for that, but I also think there's a place for talking about it and informing people and, and not, I, you know, not making it feel like people are bad because they have these issues that they're dealing with. I think most of us Mm -hmm. have something that we're dealing with mentally. (laughs) Yes, I definitely think so. And, and anybody who doesn't either is hiding something or they just are not feeling any emotions, Right. you know, they're just kind of emotionally disconnected, which 
has its own, you know, its own faults. Yeah. Not to to be because if you're emotionally disconnected, then you're emotionally disconnected from everyone. Right. You can't only turn off some emotions and turn on others. Right. So you're you're not feeling the full scope of joy if you're not feeling yeah. the full scope. Which of is happiness. what we're meant to feel. That's sadness. What our bodies are designed <laughs> for. Yeah. So since you know you've been through the stuff, you've been through the last couple of years, and you were saying you're just a whole you know untreated mess <laughs> and the depression. Have you? Like what steps, because you've been doing a really great job on social media posting, like you've been doing like, you know, things that you've done, steps. Yeah. Um, I think the last one I noticed you had like number four. Yeah. What are some of the things that you have been doing or that you've noticed that have really helped you through what you've been through yeah. over the last little bit? So I I finally decided to um, to take my specialist advice. She kept telling me, Katie, you need to, you need to do our PCS. PCOS diet plan. And, you know, as a health coach, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I know how to lose weight, so I don't need your health advice there. Yes. You know, for yes. two years, she was telling me this. Mm-hmm. And finally, this spring, I was like, I'm so done with this. I'm the biggest I've ever been. I, it, it just get going up and up. I cannot get a handle on it. And it's, it's literally like draining the life out of me, affecting every part of my mm-hmm. life. I'm so obsessed with it that I just need to figure this out. And, um, so I finally went to her. I said, okay, fine. I'll take your little class. And I did. And I, my head exploded. I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. It was like, they were describing this person with PCOS and every single little thing. I was like, yes, this is me. Oh, yep. Uh-huh. That's like everything. Check, 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 check. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, this is how you need to eat the rest of your life. If you want to feel good. And I was like, well, I do want to feel good. Like that's, my main motivation is I want, yes, I want to look good, but I want to feel, I just want to feel good. And so, um, so I started on this prescriptive plan, which, um, is turned out to be great. It's like, I don't feel deprived at all. It's, It's just awesome. Um, I don't feel like I can necessarily share it with people because it is prescriptive and I would, you know, anyway, so it, is it individual to like not. each person or is it no. like, okay, it's, it's just PCOS. It's, it's this designed is how for you people with PCOS. How she, is, how she okay. described it to me and she described the, the physiology behind it, which I'm a biology major. So I geek out about all of that stuff, about how the body works. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you can edit this all out or whatever you need to do if I get too long-winded. But basically people with PCOS, our insulin pump is just always on. It's just always on. Okay. So we have to protein load. And when, if you can do that, it's, and it's very difficult, like eating that much protein is very difficult (laughs) for me Uh anyway, for most people, I think it is too, but if you can protein load, then that helps, you know, offset the insulin spikes and, and balance your blood sugar. But, um, but yeah, that's how she explained it to me. The receptors in our cells are different. We don't, um, like we're on higher medications, higher doses of things because the receptors in our cells aren't as receptive as they should be to certain things and, and including our receptors to our insulin. So when our insulin pumps okay. out, our cells don't receive it how they should. And so we have to pump out more insulin. So we're just constantly pumping insulin. And so, you know what that does, yeah. it spikes your cortisol levels and all that kind of stuff. Cortisol is the fat storing hormone. And so mm-hmm. in order to kind of combat that insulin, then you just have to protein load. So I eat a lot of food, a lot of protein. And immediately, like within a few days, I was feeling like the inflammation was gone. I was feeling so much better. The brain fog was gone. 
I, my mood was lighter. Like I felt, you know, happier. <laughs> I was like, this is food that's doing this. This is all food. Yeah. And, and, you know, I knew that as a health coach, I knew that, that diet is, is so important. But yeah, this, so this is how I'm going to be eating the rest of my life, which is totally fine with me. It's totally worth it. I'm feeling good. I'm, I've lost a ton of weight. And um, so, yeah, so I, I decided that now I, I wouldn't say I'm on the other side. I, I think like you, I love, I love your, the title of your podcast, you know, messages from the middle. I'm still in it, still in the middle yeah. of it, but I'm feeling better. So I want, yeah. I want to, to share what's helping me with other people because you know, I, I talked to so many women who are like, Oh my gosh, I feel crappy. I feel like I'm like, yeah, that's how I felt. That's how I felt. And mm-hmm. so many women are feeling how I felt or how I, you know, in the, in the place I was before I got help. And yeah, so I, yeah, I've just, I've just started sharing. I mean, not in any particular order. I'm trying to order them kind of in order of importance, but um, the first one was to get help. Go get your hormones checked. So get them checked and yes and western medicine and isn't always going to do that it's huge yeah and so mm-hmm. you might have to make an investment in your health and go to a functional medicine doctor or something and, and go get help it's some some people i talk to they're like oh yeah my doctor's great he'll he'll test all my stuff if your doctor will do that great mine wouldn't mine wouldn't test anything yeah. so i had to go to somebody else if your doctor will do that great if not go find somebody else who will <laughs> that's the first mm-hmm. step because if your hormones aren't in balance then nothing's going to work nothing that you do is going to work. Yeah. So that and and that is true for mental health, like health, physical health, mental yes. health. Your hormones are going to affect it. Oh. Cuz even if you're just which is really interesting when I had my hormones checked, it was mm-hmm. discovered that my cortisol levels actually tanked. Oh. You need some level of cortisol like oh, yeah. to be but okay. Yeah. But that that can lead and, to another autoimmune disease which is called Addison's disease. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'd be like yeah. fine in the morning mm-hmm. and then it would just tank. Yeah. And I was like, if it's not done by like one, two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm just like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm asleep. I'm done. Nothing. They ha- Anyway. So, you know, everyone has their own different profile, but yeah. you know, when you're just like done by one, two o'clock in the afternoon and you're a mom and you have kids and a life right. and there's things you want to do and achieve, but you're like, yeah, no, all I got is Netflix right now. Yeah. Like I can't yeah. even, yeah. I'd even be I like, well, at least I can read, but I'd fall asleep reading. Right. So, you know, you start, it affects your mental health either because you're not as, it's not, not yeah. as, you know, doing what you should want to be yeah. doing, or you just feel awful, yeah. which that in itself, brain fog is huge. Yeah. And that's, it's hormones. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a lot of different things. For moms to be tired, right? We're just always going to be tired. And I'm fine with that. I can do tired, <laughs> but the fatigue yes. that I was feeling was, is not normal. That's not normal. You can't do that. Yeah. Like when you can't get up off the yeah. couch or the, when you're like, or when I'm, you sit down yeah, with your exactly. kid and fall asleep and they're shaking, you wake up and time for dinner, you know? Yeah. Well, and when you talked about how your daughter had to ask if you were dying, like dying. That, oh man, that got my heart. Oh, That's it devastating. Was, oh, I, my heart just sunk. I was like, I am so selfish. I'm not even thinking about what this is doing to my family and how they're seeing me like they're not used to seeing me just sit on the couch in the afternoon or all day long for that matter they're used to seeing me up and going we hope they don't notice yes I went through that for years no one's gonna notice like years of just depression and it's like but I'll keep it to myself I won't say anything to them they won't notice 
They do. They know when they know when the lights go out. They know when you're not there. They're very perceptive human beings. They are. Especially as they get older. They are. You know, they're gonna start to be like, hmm, something's going on. So I love that. Get help. And I think that applies physical health, mental health. For anything. Yeah. Yeah. Get help. And the depression that I was experiencing at that point, you know, that severe depression was caused by a thyroid imbalance. Like that's exactly what was causing it. So it is. And Mm -hmm. and then the second one, of course, was the nutrition piece. Like dial in your nutrition or get some help with that. Get some help with your nutrition. It's so important. That affects so many things. <laughs> so many yes. systems in your body. Yes. Emotional, mental, physical, everything. Big one. Spiritual. Yeah. And then the third one was, you know, everybody kept telling me once I got an autoimmune, you know, the diagnosis of an autoimmune disease, everyone's like, oh, you need to, you need to heal your gut. You need to clean up your you know, you need to be on this supplement, this supplement, you need, they tell you all these things, but they don't tell you how to do it. <laughs> they don't tell mm-hmm. you what to, it's specifically to take. And then when they do, it's like, it breaks the bank. So I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what to do with this. So I had to baby step my way into that one. You know, I had to, um, uh-huh. to tr- trade products out one by one, you know, cleaning products, supplements, you know, stuff that, that you put on your body. There's so many things that are horrible that have, you know, hormones, um, what is it called? I'm blanking on the name. Uh, endocrine disruptors. So many things that we put on our bodies. So like lotions and perfumes and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, this is a lot. I'm just, I just need to baby step this one. And so that's all you can do is just make swaps when you can and, and clean so it up. Cleaning eventually. products, your own like personal hygiene products, yeah. all of that you went through and just paid attention to what yeah. was... Because I mean, when you said that, I, my brain immediately went to, like you said, breaks the bank. I'm like, yes. oh, no. It does. And so everybody <laughs> gives you this advice, like, oh, you need to change everything out. And you need to take this supplement. You need to, they're like, okay, well, tell me what to take. And, and, you know, they all are pushing their own thing. And so they want you to mm-hmm. buy their product. So, yes, it, that, that's maybe the longest, the longest um, you know, phase in this whole thing is just one by one, just finding something that works for you or something that's going to be doable and then you trade it out or or you you know you finish with this product and then when you buy the next one you maybe buy a cleaner version of it or something so yeah so what do you i mean do you know like what product what ingredients are endocrine disruptors and i and, and that's certain what, ones you look that's for what i'm not a, a, an expert on <laughs> okay so i know what i was gonna say that's I'm a trick that would be a really hard one to be an yeah, expert on i'm still in the middle mm-hmm. of that one but i felt like like the Dust Ingredients podcast, I know a lot of people follow. She has such great advice for switching things Ever. out. Yeah, she has. And, mm-hmm. and her products are awesome. I, I use a lot of her stuff. So her products yeah, are awesome. Me too. Yeah, her protein powder is one of the only ones I can use that doesn't make my stomach hurt. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. And it Just tastes like delicious. We're, plug- we're totally plugging it Dust Ingredients delicious. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I learned the chocolate. It's like my, I'm like, I don't, it's my favorite The chocolate protein. coconut. Oh, yep. it's my favorite. Yeah. And all of her mm-hmm. like drinks and yeah, they're just so good. Anyway, so that that's something you can do a little bit at a time. I'm doing it with my girls too, you know, um, changing out mm-hmm. their soaps and their shampoos and their lotions and all that kind of stuff. So you, you just do what you can do. And and that was one piece of advice that I got from somebody who was kind of in this, my same boat. She's like, just do what you can do. Don't get overwhelmed. Just, you know bit by bit. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. That's what I'm still doing. One of the things with either ADHD or PTSD, you tend to have hypervigilance. Mm. So when people say, 
you know, switch it out. Yeah. And you're, then you're like, I got to do it all. I got to do it right now. And everyone's going to die and get hurt. And so, yeah, like, I like that you said baby step into it because I think we can also talk ourselves down. We don't have to be like crazy hypervigilant. It's it's instinct number one. I got to fix this. You can't do everything. Like we're still swimming in swimming pools that have chlorine in them. You know what I mean? It's not like you can go Mm -hmm. from A to a to Z and, you know, I mean, we're, we're not hundred percent perfect. We probably never will be, but we can do what we can that way. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I really like that you kind of put it that way. That's yeah. great. Okay. Sorry. And then you said number yeah. four. Number four was learn to rest. However, that, you know, it looks different for everybody. For me, I, I don't like my husband when he takes naps, he's like, get in bed, and, you know, put the blankets over and shut the lights off. I, if I'm resting in the middle of the day, I might fall asleep, but it's going to be on the couch where I'm still with my girls still, you know, in the middle of what's going on, but I'm just, my feet are up and I'm sitting down and maybe reading or something like that. And, and I might let myself drift off to sleep, but that one was a really hard one for me. It was very uncomfortable (laughs) to let myself rest. I know I had gone through that period of depression, but to me sitting on the couch was being depressed. And so I didn't want to do that. And then, you know, my, my specialist is like, you need to let yourself rest every once in a while. I was like, all mm-hmm. right. So you just have to decide what that looks like for you. You know, whether that's yeah. getting in bed or whether it's going on a walk or, you know, whatever, whatever rest looks like. For yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are really great. And it is true learning because everyone's rest is going to look different. Yeah. Some people, it is going to be like a full shut down yeah. other people. I even like that you said going for a walk. Yeah. Cause a lot of times in my case, when I need to like get away, let my brain kind of relax, it is going yeah. for a walk, yeah. which isn't or necessarily like being in nature, what people yeah. would call restful, but yeah, yeah it kind of just helps my brain yeah. calm down. But I am a napper. Yeah. I, I, I am a napper. I have learned that to be. I'm sure it has yeah. something to do with my cortisol. Yes. I have <laughs> learned to be with, with the, the way my hormones are just different. I, I have let myself do that. And, and I, mm-hmm. I'm at this point, I'm okay with it. So yeah. That's yeah. Great. And, and I think that I like that you said you've learned to be, cause that's the other thing as women really as humans, but I'm going to, sorry, sorry, any men, there might be two that listen as women our our whole, everything changes so abruptly between like when we're trying to get pregnant, when we are pregnant, when we're breastfeeding, mm-hmm. my hormones weren't okay when I was breastfeeding. I was still wonky when I was oh, yeah. breastfeeding. And then, you know, then you go through even like your cycles, right. you know, that's, that's been so fun having my daughters or, you know, my, I have two older boys and then my daughters are younger and, and just knowing that like, oh boy, they're going to have to experience this. Yeah. <laughs> Won't this be fun? Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad. And then, and then if that's not enough, menopause, menopause. you know, and you'd think you'd be like, oh good, I'm finally going to stop having to go through this like cyclic, but instead it's just like, it's just, just a whole other animal at you. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it was different for everybody. And mm -hmm. you know, what you experience isn't going to be what some of my, my mom breathed through it, had one hot flash and breathed through it and isn't on any hormones and I'm on the whole gamut. And so it just, it looks different for everybody. And, and I think again, it's not something I've talked about. So men are kind of afraid of it. And then, Mm -hmm. and then women feel like it's, you know, they can't talk about it and, and yeah, it's a whole other animal. So I'm determined to change that. I think you should, because I think there's two folds. It's twofold. Like why women don't talk about it. And I think number one is it means you're old. Yeah. And why is old bad? Right. But I, you know, I like why at 46. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, it starts early for people all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, I have a friend early forties, yeah. you know, just start going through it. <laughs> it is funny. Like now I'm to the point I'll go to a doctor's appointment and they'll ask me if I'm still menstruating. And I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I'm, I'm 46. So, <laughs> but it is, yeah. we're scared of getting yeah. old and we're scared of looking old. Yeah. Like we don't want to appear old to other people. Yeah. Like we still want to be a like appear young and vibrant, but right. even just knowing our, we've kind of had the societal like menopause is these old ladies. Right. And so right. there's the, like, we don't even want to talk about it because then it's like, I'm admitting to being old. Right. But again, what's wrong with that? And again, if we're not talking about it, then somebody's going through it at 46 going, going something's wrong what's with going me. on with me? Yes. Because my, what's my happening? own doctor told me when I was at 36, I was like, I'm just wondering if I'm in menopause. He's like, oh, that would be too early. At 46, he told yeah. me it would be too early. And then when I was told that that's what it was by my specialist, I'm like, is that early? She's like, no, that's totally fine. <laughs> like, okay. Yes. That's the whole time I thought I was yeah. broken. Yeah. Well, I, for one, really appreciate you sharing about it because, you know, <laughs> any minute now. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, well, and it doesn't but have I, to I be think... bad. It doesn't. So. And it doesn't exactly, yeah. it doesn't have to be bad. And even just knowing like when you notice these you know, like yeah. weird, you know, changes in emotions and things like that, instead of being like, I mean, my go-to is something's wrong with me. I'm broken. Right. It's my fault. Right. I, you know, all of those things instead of yeah. my body's doing what it's supposed to do. I'm not alone. Get help. Yeah. You know, do all the things that you need to do. I think that's just incredibly, I, I just love it. So, yeah. well, Thank you so much for spending time with me today and for sharing your story and sharing what you've learned. I think those four tips you gave, uh, yeah, are really well. Like, I have like, more oh, to come. I have, into those. I have. 12, I'm excited. I have twelve total, so I'll be sharing them. But I mean, it's stuff that most people know, but just things that have been helping me. So hopefully, they'll help somebody, even if they help one person. I'm, I'm happy. But you've yeah. you've helped me so much. I'm so excited to oh, keep gosh. to keep on this journey with you. It'll be awesome. Well. Thank you. And just because I already talked about loving your social media and you see that you've got more to come, <laughs> where can people find you? So my Instagram is Katie's Fit Files and Katie is spelled C-A-Y-T-I-E. So Katie's Fit Files, all one word. And that's where I am. Okay. All right. I will make okay. sure that I link that in oh, the show sweet. notes so people can find you and keep going along with your on your story and, and learning more from you because I've learned, I mean, I learned a ton before all this. And I'm learning a ton now just from following you. And like I said, I'm also like, how can I write? <laughs> I know that's another so. story for a different day, but yeah, I think that's what we're supposed to do. Right. When we go through things, we're supposed to then share it and help others go through. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And, um, yeah, everybody go find Katie Thanks, on Instagram. Wendy. You're so sweet. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Have an awesome day. Bye-bye. I want to thank Katie one more time for spending some time with me and I learned so much and I look forward to continuing to learn from her. I want you to know that you are loved and you matter no matter who you are or where you are in your story. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle of my story. My theme music is White Linen by Asher Child. He's my kid. You can find all of his amazing music on all streaming platforms. And you know, it just wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. But seriously, it would really mean so much to me if you did. Thank you so much and see you next time.